Hello everyone and welcome to daily newspaper analysis which is brought to you by Lawseco. So today we have three articles for our discussion two are from the Hindu and one is from the Indian Express explained section. So the first article is improving the Indian judiciary. So this is a very beautifully written article that talks about that in what ways or what areas can we work to improve the Indian judiciary for a longer run and what are the steps that can be taken in the immediate run as well. The second article is again from the Hindu which is titled as the UN World Happiness Report. So this talks about the World Happiness Report, what are the parameters of it, why is it important, which countries have actually considered it and what is the status of the happiness report with the happiness index in India as well. And thirdly we have the article from Indian Express which is titled as anti-defection law for independent legislators. So basically we have been discussing many a times before about the anti-defection laws. So what is it and what are the rules for the independent legislators would be discussed here. This newspaper analysis is presented by me. My name is Sheva Khan. I am a law graduate and I have done my BA LLB law degree with a gold medal from Uttaranchal University 2019 batch. I also have been a national debater and a public speaker. Here at Law Seco, I'm working as the expert for current affairs. Alongside, I'm also managing the current affairs vertical. If you wish to connect with me, you can find me on my Twitter as well as LinkedIn handles. The links to both are available in the description box below. So let's quickly start a discussion for the day. Let's talk about the first article that talks about improving the Indian judiciary. So in an event recently organized by the Karnataka Bar Council, the Chief Justice of India, Justice N.V. Ramana, made a plea to Indianize the courts to make it responsive to the needs of the Indian citizens. Now this is a very nice idea that has been brought forward by the Chief Justice of India to basically Indianize the court. Now by Indianizing the court, we mean to suit to the requirements of the Indian citizens the kind, the nature, the type of people that we have over here. So basically the functioning of the court should be such that is friendly enough for the Indian citizens. So let's see that what are the measures that have been mentioned that can be used to tackle the sluggish judiciary system in the country or the slow or the lethargic system of judiciary in the country. The first is filling of the vacancies. Now this cannot be emphasized enough that the vacancies are a huge, huge problem in the Indian judiciary. Though recently, yes, of course, nine judges have been promoted. They have been actually appointed as the, uh, the judges in the Supreme Court of India to fill in the vacancies. But still, when we come to the high courts and other courts in the country, the vacancies are one major problem. So the sanctioned positions need to be filled to bring down the pendency rates because obviously, as per the population of the country and also keeping in mind the number of trials that are brought to the court, the number of judges to listen to those trials is very, very less and that is why we need to have them in proportion. So the reports show that a mere increase of 20% judges would suffice the need. So can you imagine that even if the, there is an increase of 20% of the number of judges, then it would suffice the need that we actually need for the uh, judges for the cases of the trials pending in the country. Also, the Chief Justices of the High Courts and the CGI, that is the Chief Justice of India, should be made accountable for filling the vacancies. Now here, a big, big problem is that, is the lack of accountability. That even if there are vacancies in the judiciary, in the courts, still nobody is actually held accountable and that is why for months and months and years the vacancies remain so. That is why this proposal has been given in this article that the Chief Justices of the various High Courts, wherever there are vacancies, and also the Chief Justice of India 
should be made accountable and they should be held responsible for filling up the vacancies well within time to avoid any kind of you know a further pendency of the cases this basically would result in the need of 5000 more courts and can be so this can be solved by running 5000 courts in two shifts so basically what we can do is that already available courts can be you know they can run into two shifts and thus uh, it can help uh, reduce the pendency of the cases now the second proposal that has been given is using the technology yes of course the e technology for the filing of cases and you know for the hearing of cases also we recently got to know in the time of the pandemic so yes of course the judiciary is using uh, technology but we should be more equipped with technology in the coming time so the three recommendations of the e committee needs to be implemented by the supreme court and these are first the computer algorithm decides case listing case allocation and the adjournments second the courts need to focus on e filing and third the courts must switch to hybrid virtual mode of hearings for swift disposal of the cases so these are the things that are actually sought forward to so that better technological you know advancement can be seen in the judicial system of the country wherein if we have to list the cases allocate the cases and we have to look forward for the adjournments so the computer algorithm should be deciding that instead of any manual labor being required second we should be focusing more on the e filing of the trials and cases and thirdly we should have hybrid virtual mode of hearing of the cases so that the disposal can be faster as well as more efficient so the implementation of these systems require no change in laws and if incorporated it will bring india to the top 10 legal systems of the world and would also attract international investments and protect every citizen's rights so this is one of the best parts that we can consider right now that for all of these things to take place we do not really need to have any changes or amendments in the already existing laws so making use of the already available laws we can have all of these advancements in the coming times and this will actually give india to stand out amongst the top 10 countries with the one of the best legal systems in the world and it might definitely attract the foreign investments in the similar areas now let's understand that how the sluggish or the lethargic judiciary hurts the entire system the rich and the powerful have a field day and as they get their cases expedited or delayed as they wish now uh, let's just consider a very common case when the arnab goswami case was there so it was actually listed very quickly and the cases that were pending even before they could not even come up for hearing so this is actually how influential people have a better hand or a easier hand in the courts of law which definitely is violative of the right to equality that which ultimately is a fundamental right under article 14 of the indian constitution So more than 40% cases are solved after 3 years of pendency while on the contrary in other countries this is down to only 1%. So can you understand that if there are 100 cases in total in India out of these 100 40 cases are solved after 3 years of the filing. But in other countries only one out of 100 case has the potential to go above or go beyond a period of 3 years but in india definitely we can see that the system of judiciary judiciary is very much lethargic and slow the corruption and the crimes directly affect the justice delivery system which in turn hurt the poor and the marginalized and finally 
70% prisoners now this we have done before as well that 70% prisoners in india are under trials and are mostly poor citizens so they are you know they have the no crime has been yet proved against them they have still not been convicted but they are only accused they are only under trials and yet they have to spend a so long times in the uh, you know prisons just because the cases you know take so much time in being solved and being given a verdict to So let's see the second article for the day which talks about the UN World Happiness Report. So the connection between law, governance and happiness has been gaining considerable attention over the last few years. Now this is a very you know a kind of a symbiotic relationship that we can see amongst law governance and happiness so basically law or the rules or the law of the land it is actually the source of the rights of the people now when rights of the people are given they need to be governed so that all the people have equal rights available and when everybody has equal rights available so definitely what we achieve is the uh, you know the happiness uh, amongst the citizens the civil happiness the other the legal happiness all that we have so definitely law governance and happiness they go hand in hand and they play a complementary role to one another so let's see that how can law assure happiness so the un or the united nations world happiness report shows that the countries which are happier have a marked lower crime rate which means that people abide to the laws in a better way definitely like for example in india also in countries you know murder is definitely a crime but in india maybe if the people are not following the law properly due to which you know the, uh, the it, it is not been performing well on the happiness report as well so here we can see that definitely there is some kind of relationship between the law which is available in the country the governance Uh, which is there and also the crime rate and again uh, fi- in finality the happiness that the people uh, experience so it has been observed that countries that score higher on the rule of law index also secure high ranks in the happiness index so basically the countries that are able to maintain to a better extent the rule of law you know we, we all know the rule of law that there is nothing above the law and law is above all right so where whichever countries have performed better or higher in the rule of law index have also shown to have performed better in the happiness index so here the happiness was also determined by certain socio demographic factors like the health education crime rate criminal victimization fear of crime socio economic balance now just consider a situation or consider you know a, a, an imaginary air place where everybody has a lot of money so right you know everybody has the gdp you know there is good gdp the country has a very good gdp everybody is rich over there but anyone can come and murder you or anyone can come or rape you or uh, there is you know still you have money but you still cannot spend it on education you have nothing to educate your children right like for example if we consider the situation of afghanistan as well so all together afghanistan is not that poor a country as compared to various other you know maybe even some you know island uh, countries or the pacific uh, basically or the african countries but still because the situation of health education crime criminal victimization and other you know socio economic balance equality all of these things are very much pathetic in afghanistan that is why it has performed to be the worst one in the world happiness report so here we can understand that the just the gdp or just financial or economic richness of the country does not ensure the happiness of the country even if we take examples of various middle eastern countries they have oil refineries they have their own crude oil and everything so they are considerably rich countries but because people are not given equal rights over there they have no right you know women you know they have uh, do not enjoy the equal rights as men so definitely it actually lags back in the happiness of the citizens 
So here it has given an example that UAE has responded to the index by making a ministry of happiness. Now this makes UAE the first country of the world to have an exclusive ministry that deals with happiness. Bhutan also has followed the suit by uh, establishing the gross national happiness to measure good governance. So there is a very you know a renowned personality of Bhutan known as Sandhu Chetri. So he actually was the one also who played a very important role in bringing and also realizing the idea of the happiness index. So let's understand that what are the reasons for the dismal performance of the various countries. So the UN Happiness Report of 2021 places India at 139 out of 149 countries. So can you imagine we are only 10 you know places better than the last country in the whole index. So definitely we need to pay attention on this that even after being called such a huge economy of the world, so growing economy of the world, you know the largest democracy of the world and everything and what not. still the people the citizens of the country are not happy so this definitely solves you know it it breaks down the entire purpose of having everything you know in the economy or the finances or fdis and industrialization etc because definitely if the people are not happy then something is going on wrong so the social distancing due to the pandemic is one of the chief reasons for the fall of happiness index yes of course because people have not been able to enjoy the basic nuances or the basic entertainment you know or the recreations of life we cannot go to movies it's difficult to go to the markets malls everything so these were some small things but yet very important that gave happiness to the people and now because of the covid-19 pandemic people have to maintain physical distancing due to which the human interaction the human movement has been restricted and thus ultimately the happiness has also been hampered The public policy governance has never taken happiness to be one of the goals of its actions. Now, this is another reason that do our you know policy makers or do our you know the executives or even the legal system does it even consider that happiness is one important goals one of the important goals to be achieved? Not really. So that is why we should take a learning from the UAE and you know in the lines of having a separate ministry that looks forward to the happiness of the citizens. and finally the law is capable to create many positive obligations however we limit it to a mere sanctioning instrumentality and thus we also rank only you know rank 69 in the world justice report as well so definitely there is a lot that needs to be done in this direction and india definitely needs to pay attention to the fact that not unless the people of the country are happy there is no point growing economically being 5 trillion dollar economy or whatsoever in the coming times and that is why we also you know should be taking responsibility of being happy and fighting for our happiness in the long run so let's discuss the third article for the day which talks about the anti defection laws for the independent legislators so the independent mla has joined congress in spirit because he cannot do so as an independent elected member now here we need to uh, note that what actually are the rules of disqualification when the mla or the member of legislative assembly is an independently elected uh, member now by an independently elected member we simply mean that who does not belong to any political party who fought the elections whose candidature was independent of any ticket or any political party and now if that person has won the elections and has now become the member of legislative assembly so what would be the rules of defection against him so the 10th schedule of the constitution also addresses the independent mlas about joining a party so let's see the timeline from 1969 to 1978 the constitution did not address the issue of independent mlas joining a political party as to what would be the effect if an independent mla joins a political party upon or after his election 
but in 1985 it was amended and the indian constitution prevented now please note here that it actually prevented the independent mlas from joining political parties after their election and gave the nominated members basically a 6 month window for joining a party here are two things that we are considering at the same time one is an independently elected member and the other is a nominated member so if we talk about an independently elected member the 1985 amendment of the constitution restricts or prevents an independent mla from joining a political party after his election and on the contrary a nominated person or a nominated member may join a political party within a period of 6 months Let's consider that what are the rules of disqualification. So the ultimate decision of the disqualification sits with the presiding officer of the legislature. Yes, of course. So, however, no time frame to take such decision is prescribed, which ultimately is the source of all the problems. Because in these cases, what happens is that when the speaker, you know, he belongs to a particular political party, of course, he does, and generally he belongs to the ruling party of the state or whatever the case be. So in this situation, what happens is that if an MLA has joined the ruling party itself, then the speaker tends to lethargy, or he tends to actually, uh, you know, uh, prolong the process of taking the uh, decision. Due to which the anti-defection, the purpose of anti-defection, is com- uh, completely absolved. Now, this may often make speakers the target of political bias from both the sides, as, as we just discussed. Though the Supreme Court has held that a decision for disqualification must be taken within three months' time, but yes, of course, it has not been done. As recently, a case of, of was there. Though he was not an independent uh, elected um, MLA of um, Mukul Roy in the West Bengal Legislative Assembly, wherein he had been changing, uh, you know, uh, the uh, political parties, but just because now finally he has chosen the ruling party, that is the TMC. So there. it is being pending from the month of june that till now a decision has not been taken by the speaker and now the uh, issue has entirely moved to the supreme court so finally the anti defection law states that if an independent mla joins a party after his election as the member then such mla shall lose the seat in the legislature on joining that particular political party so that is the status right now so please consider that when we have general members like who belong to a political party and they switch you know continuously switch to another political party they also would be liable for the defection draws but here we need to see that they actually will switch now here the independent member will join the political party so these are the two different things that for the normal one the elected member who is there belonging to a particular party he needs to continuously switch or do something like that and for an independent mla he needs to join to be disqualified so we did not say that he should join ideally but yes if he joins then he would stand disqualified out of the house So that was all for the day. Thank you so much for joining in. We hope it was a good and informative session for you all. Do not forget to catch the podcast analysis for the same on Spotify, Google, Anchor, as well as Apple Podcast. Also, if you wish to download the PDF of today's slides, you can join our Telegram channel. The link is given in the description box below, or you can scan the QR code that you can see on our screens right now. Also, for other crisp content, do not forget to follow us on our official Instagram channels for Judiciary, CLAT Prep, UGC Net, as well as Law Seeker, Law Finance. Thank you so much.